0: You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If
1: you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony,
2: well, there's nothing you can't ask
1: on the Savage Lovecast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage. I hope you're having a great summer. I'm having a great summer. The eye candy, the eye candy everywhere, it's getting to me, and we will get to your calls after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for details. A couple of weeks ago, we had the low blood sugar episode of a very special episode of Savage Love cast, uh, warning uh, listeners about the dangers of low blood sugar syndrome and and humanizing it uh, with our very special guest star, Nancy Reagan. And today we're going to have the insomnia, very special episode of Savage Love, because I am doing this on no sleep.
3: Here we go. Hi, Dan. I have a situation where my ex-girlfriend recently contacted to get back together with me and we tried to work out a day to, to see each other. She suggested a day, and it didn't quite work for me because I already had a date. It was only a second date with a girl who I had just met. Since it had been two months that I'd soon seen my ex-girlfriend, and this other, girl, this other girl and I had solidified a date, I decided to say no to my ex-girlfriend for that day and instead go on the date. As I was leaving the restaurant with my date, I ran into my ex-girlfriend who happened to be going to that restaurant that night. The look on her face was one of great hurt, and I felt awful for hurting her so bad. So then I called her the next day, apologizing and telling her that I was sorry that it worked out that way, but that I had no intention of hurting her. But now she tells me that she never wants to see me again or talk to me. I feel like she is overreacting because there's not much I could have done with the situation and it seems to be that if she really wanted to get back together with me that she would be fair and open and flexible about situations like this. I do understand how much it hurts her but I don't know how to communicate to her that that I really do want to talk to her and that I didn't intend for that to happen. Do you have any advice on what I can do to... Um, make her understand that I would never have wanted that to happen and to perhaps find a way to reconnect with her even after this awful episode.
1: This may be the sleep deprivation talking, but I think you're well rid of this person. Uh she dumped you, called you two months later, wanted to get back together. In the two months that you were dumped, you were free and unencumbered. You were free to start dating other people. She can't expect to jump back in two months later and just scoop you back up, uh with no strings, you know, no no strings attached, no other commitments you've made. You you know, she can't assume that you weren't seeing anybody in the interim and you guys were gonna get together and renegotiate uh the start uh you know, resuming this relationship. You didn't tell her when she called that you hadn't seen anybody else and that you had no plans to see anybody else, and you didn't make any sort of specific commitment. It sounds like you made an agreement to go out a- a- on a date with her and perhaps resume this relationship. You had a right, it, you know. It was awkward and she was hurt, but you know if she's going to be a psycho about it. You know, you can acknowledge that it was awkward and that it was a painful experience for her and for you. And you should be able to say to her, you know, I went on a couple of dates with other people when we were broken up and I had this date already on the books and I didn't feel right just dumping this woman a- and calling her up when everything with us is so tentative. You know, once upon a time, people did date more than one person at a time when they had no firm commitment with any of those persons. And that's all you were doing. You're not the bad guy. Fuck her and her nonsense. And if she can't – no, that's all I'm going to say in my sleep deprivized – improvised. My sleep deprivation improvisational state is fuck her. Like don't be so whipped. It was an awkward situation. It was painful for her. If she wants to blow this up into an excuse never ever to see you again after calling you after dumping you for two months and saying, I can't live without you. Let's get back together. Then you know what? It would have been something else would have set this off again. You would have been dumped again and broken up again. You win. You're free and clear. Date the other girl.
4: Hi, Dan and the uh, tech savvy at risk Youth. I have a question um, and it's sort of a follow up on the death grip thing that you've been talking about on your podcast a lot. my the guy that I'm currently going out with has a very well what I think is a very strange masturbatory habit, which is to um, push his penis down in between his thighs and rub his thighs <laughs> together. And I shouldn't be laughing. I'm only laughing because I'm nervous, not not for criti- criticizing him in his ways at all. Um, so I was just wondering if there is any um, damage that he could be doing or any um, bad training he could be doing with his penis. Because I know you said sometimes you have to retrain your penis to understand what it's like to, to um, orgasm from a woman and not necessarily from your own death grip hand. And I'm wondering if this is similar and um, how I can broach this um, topic with him. Or is it a problem at all? Because I could be entirely wrong about this. I've tried to do some research on it, and I couldn't find much of anything about it.
1: All right, I have, a, I have a follow-up question. Just listen to your call. First of all, you should laugh because that sounds ridiculous. He must look like a grasshopper um, sending out a mating distress signal when he rubs his legs together like that with a stick jam between them. So feel free to laugh because I would. Um, and he should have a sense of humor about how ridiculous that must look. It is a very unique masturbation technique. But here's the follow-up question. Here's the important detail. Are you having
5: sex with this guy?
1: Yes. Does he have any problem reaching climax when his dick is not between his legs, when it's say stuffed down your throat or up your twat? Um,
4: it uh, sometimes is an issue, but not always.
1: But it it's not chronic or anything. It's not like he's fucking you, and the only way he can come is to crank the dick down between the thighs and start rubbing it out. No, it's
4: it's not. Yes, yeah, it's not always. Again, it's just occasional that that it is an issue where but it could just be normal,
1: um, occasional stuff. It's not like he's so groomed by this masturbation technique that he is incapable of climaxing through other modes of stimulation, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, then it's not a problem. You know, uh, the death grip is only a pro- You know, people who, guys usually, who use such a firm grip when they masturbate train their penises, really, uh, to, to, to expect and require that to, to climax. They sort of beat calluses into their dicks. Um, it doesn't sound like he has... That problem. Uh, it's a good idea, generally, you know, to avoid, uh, you know, training yourself to a point where you can't respond to other forms of stimulation. To vary your masturbatory routines, whether you're a boy or a girl. But you know, when I talk about the death grip and the damage it can do, I don't mean guys like your boyfriend who have a preferred or even, you know, a, a, a sole masturbation technique that works for them, but are still capable of responding sexually and climaxing uh, to other and more subtle forms of stimulation. Okay. So your concern is lovely and charming, uh, (laughs) but I think it's a little misplaced. Uh, Okay. But can you do me a favor? Yes. Can you make a videotape of him doing this masturbation between the legs thing and send it to me?
4: I'll I'll talk to him about it. I think he might be game. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because I really want to see this Jiminy Cricket jerk-off routine. (laughs)
4: <laughs> I'll,
1: give, I'll, I'll give it a whirl and Not, not for any salacious reasons Just for research <laughs> Of course <laughs> Okay, thanks a lot Thank you for calling Shooting sure
6: Hey Dan, um, I sort of have a cultural question And I figure you're probably Not going to get horribly offended by this Because you don't seem to get offended by a lot So I was recently adopted um, Around five years ago By a pair of lesbians I'm 17 now and they're, like, in their middle age. They're around 50. Um, I've noticed that a lot of their friends are all very large women. And um, living with them is really cool because I think I've I've gotten over a lot of, like, judging people based on weight. But I've noticed, yeah, I, I can't help but notice that their skinny dyke friends are sort of the exception. And I was just wondering if you had any sort of hypothesis on to why that is. Um, I don't think it's just their friends. Um, And I'm not trying to say that all dykes are all big fat asses. Uh, I just am sort of curious as to what's going on, if it's like a cultural issue or something.
1: I don't want to say all dykes are big fat asses either. But I would like to point out that you just said that. That thing you don't want to say. That thing I don't want to say. Um, You know, I think the reason why a lot of lesbians are large, uh, perhaps, goes back to diet and exercise. Doesn't it always, ultimately? You know, there's a whole uh, – you could look up Janice Ian's piece from The Advocate from about eight years ago about lesbians of size. And Andrew Sullivan wrote a piece about it once that it endeared him to the lesbian community for all eternity. Uh, you know, when you reject the male gaze, when you, women who aren't concerned about pleasing men, um, there seems to be in Lesboland uh, this uh, propensity toward – I'm just going to fucking say it. Gluttony. Because I'm a body fascist. And, you know, it's not that I want lesbians to be attractive to me personally because they're not. Because they're ladies. Ladies don't do it for me. But I worry about lesbians being healthy. Uh, I think it's great that your mom's uh, adopted you and that they've got large friends. Uh, But, you know, obesity is uh, hard on your knees, bad for your health. Um, And that's all I'm really going to say. Uh, I'm having a sleep-deprived moment here where I'm worried I'm going to say something that's going to get my building burnt down. But so I'll just end with the world's greatest fat joke because lesbians really appreciate the fat jokes. But this is classy. This is a classy fat joke. It's from Shakespeare. I try it on your mom's friends sometimes. Uh, Jeromeo of Syracuse, I believe, is talking about a kitchen wench who's in love with him, and she's very, very, very fat. Uh, And he says, and this is the greatest uh, fat joke insult of all times, um, she has so much grease in her that come doomsday, she will burn a week longer than the whole world. Shakespeare. Today's, uh, size podcast is brought to you by audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like you play back the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Now, uh, I mentioned before that I'm sleep-depro-provera-tized today because I haven't been sleeping. And I got an email from someone who, uh, I put it up on my blog at uh, thestranger.com slash slog and got some emails from people suggesting that I download some audio books, believe it or not, uh, to listen to in the middle of the night if I'm having trouble sleeping because then it's like having some classy adult read you a bedtime story and helping you drift off to slumberland. So I'm going to, I'm going to try that. Uh, I won't download anything too exciting. You can download your bedtime stories, of course, at audiblepodcast.com savage, where you can get a free audiobook today.
2: Hi, I just listened to podcast eighty nine and there was a question from a woman that wanted to know if uh, not shaving her crotch was gross and I just wanted to give my completely subjective two cents um that uh, i've always considered uh, i've always considered uh, pubic hair on females to be just kind of i've always liked it i don't have a fetish for it I don't like Google for big hairy bush all the time or anything like that, but it's always just been part of the landscape of the female body it's just kind of supposed to be there like the eyebrows are supposed to be there on the face and for me personally, uh, a shaved crotch on a woman actually looks kind of prepubescent, which is a bit of a turnoff. Um, that's, and that, that's just my opinion. Other opinions vary, but I guess what I would have to say to this woman is shave it or keep it. Either way, someone will think it's really hot.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be there, but you know, tastes, like you say, are subjective. I'm totally right with, there with you. Someone could point out that poison ivy and kudzu and English ivy and morning glories are supposed to be there, too or marijuana plants and coca bushes but people keep trying to eradicate all that uh, people can do with their uh, pubes what they care to and what pleases them and what pleases their partner and I think one of the hangups people have with uh, shaving uh, if it's not to please themselves but to attract or please a partner is that they're somehow negating themselves or violating their own bodily integrity or whatever um, and I think that is sort of a double backflip hang up. Um not that I'm making any sense at this moment, but trust me, uh, on a future podcast I'll I'll make this make sense.
5: Hey Dan, this is Alan calling. Um I just started seeing this girl and you know it's going pretty good, but first time I got her naked I noticed that she has the full bush, you know, no trimming, no nothing and uh you know i, I could deal with this uh, but to be honest it's kind of, it's kind of a big turn off for me and uh, also it's it's kind of it's kind of tough to eat her out and stuff cuz uh, all that hair kind of gets in the way so um i mean i don't know how i go about uh talking to her about this uh and not like uh and not pissing her off right i mean i really like her and i mean I don't want to offend her, but it like it's a, it's a turn off for me. So anyway, um, yeah, just uh, I have no idea how to about, go about this tactfully. The tact is not my strong point. So hopefully you have some tips. And uh, you know, I'm not asking for uh, Brazilian wax or anything. Although that would be nice. But I mean, just just, just like a little trim. That's that's all I would need. I mean, uh, now that we're on the topic, I guess it's I've always kind of wondered how do you approach uh matters of a personal hygiene with someone else because I've, I've always been pretty diligent with that stuff but sometimes you encounter people who aren't so diligent with that stuff and i i've yeah how the hell do you talk about that with someone
1: so tact not being your strong point you thought to call me because i'm known for my tactful approach to people's problems um First of all, you can't approach this uh, or approach her uh, and use the phrase uh, personal hygiene because it's really not a matter of personal hygiene unless her pubes are covered in fungus and crawling with lice and it's filthy. If she showers, if she bathes, if she washes, uh, pubes aren't dirt. Pubes aren't filth. They're just natural you know, body hair. The way you approach this conversation with her is with a lot of I statements and an offer. You know what? You say to her, hey, are you attached to those pubes? Ha ha ha. Open with the joke. Um, because I really love to eat pussy, but I don't really enjoy the sort of hair chewing through to get to the pussy. And maybe we could meet each other halfway. I'll eat your pussy like crazy. You trim a little bit. Uh, deal? And if you just like lay it out like there's something in it for her, there's something in it for you, she shouldn't have a problem with it. If she does have a problem with it, uh, sneak some nair into her breakfast cereal. I don't know what you do if she does have a problem with it. You just – Use those I statements. It's not that she did something wrong by having pubic hair. It's not that she has bad personal hygiene by having pubic hair. Um, it's just that you have a preference for at least a trim. At the extreme, a Brazilian. Uh, and but I'm a guy, so when I say these things, I get into trouble, and I'm sure the calls will roll in. Um, I think people should, you know, want to do things with their bodies within reason to attract and please. Their primary sex partners. Uh, my boyfriend, for instance, isn't allowed to use deodorant. We're not going to go into why.
6: Hi, Dan. This is Jade. I'm a 22 year old female, and I am talking to my boyfriend now. We're having a little bit of a debate about, um, I guess, like vibrators for females, and then the so called pocket pussies for males. And to me, there's just something sort of creepy about, you know, the the flesh etc of the world. While I find nothing wrong with a vibrator or a dildo, um my boy says this is a double standard and uh I guess it might be, but what do you think about it?
1: I'm with your boyfriend, total double standard. You know, there is something unfamiliar cuz they haven't been around that long. So when you first see a pocket pussy, it looks a little Hannibal lectory. It looks a little bit, a little bit like somebody carved the pussy off somebody and stuck it in a flashlight. But, you know, what is a dildo that, uh, you know, a realistic looking dildo that looks like a penis, but uh, it looks like a penis that's been chopped off a dude um, that you're going to jam up your twat? Uh, And it'll please you if you're into insertion um, and penetration. Uh, Now, a dude has got a dick that wants, you know, his sex toy uh, to be something that he can insert himself into. It's going to have to be something that looks a little bit like a a flashlight. So you are a sexist pig with horrifying double standards.
2: Hey there, Dan. What's going on, man? Uh, I am a 24-year-old male uh, living in Austin, and I am, so it would seem, permanently stuck in the friend zone. Um, I ha- I am that guy who my friends come to for emotional support. Um, I am unfortunately, a counselor by trade. So, you know, obviously I'm a, a very good listener. I'm very empathetic. Um, and I have this this core group of friends who are fucking amazing people. Uh, and, you know, they have really been a blessing to my life. But I just keep falling into this role of the platonic boyfriend. Uh, I end up you know, being the guy who gets the call at three o'clock in the morning when they're crying and have had a fight with their boyfriend and need somebody to talk to. I am the shoulder to cry on. Uh, I am, you know, the sensitive one who will listen to your problems. And, and as much as I appreciate that, you know, I appreciate their putting that confidence in me and trusting me in that way. Um it just really sucks to have, I mean, I have these friends who are all, and, you know, m- many of my friends happen to be female and happen to be insanely attractive, but I'm just stuck in the friend zone. Um, and it it kind of either goes one way or the other. I end up getting to be real good friends with these people, with, you know, the girls that I meet, and which is great because I love having such good friends. But at the same time, I also, you know, the few girls that I end up dating end up being batshit crazy or so ungodly, insecure, and needy that uh, it's really tough to deal with their issues. You know, I, I just by happenstance dated three girls consecutively whose fathers died on them, not the year previous to my dating them. So, and you know, I have a really strong paternal side, so uh, girls with father issues just ate that up. Uh, so I'm just kind of at an impasse, and I don't know what the hell to do. Uh, it's very frustrating because, to be frank, I would love to be getting laid, uh, but that's just not happening. You know, I went through, last year, a miserable streak of 20 months, settled uh, it, and not entirely by choice. Uh, and I'm really not looking forward to the prospect of replicating that experience.
1: You say you uh, want to get laid. You, you need to start acting like you want to get laid. What you're doing is you're acting like you want clients. <laughs> For a therapist or a counselor, uh, it doesn't uh-huh. seem like you're establishing, you know, clear boundaries with people. You know, therapy. You know, counseling well, is what you do for a living, right? Yeah. I You know, if I have a legal problem, I don't call my friends who are lawyers at three o'clock in the morning and expect them to, you know, help me for free, right? That's true. So you need to stop being this like sounding board shoulder-to-cry-on therapist for women that you want to fuck. For women that you want mm-hmm. to date. You need to establish clear boundaries. You have all the friends with vaginas that you need, and you need to get out there and make some friends <laughs> with penises. So you know what? You're not auditioning anybody anymore for friend positions in your life. Mm-hmm. You should put yourself out there to these women that you're interested in as you know, a potential... A romantic partner and if they're not interested in you in the same way don't have anything to do with them. Just don't even bother. Don't have anything to do with them because if you do you will be going mm-hmm. into that counseling best you know friend shoulder crying relationship with ulterior motives and she will be going into it knowing that she can exploit your attraction to her to get emotional support out of you. okay And it's bullshit, and you shouldn't do it, you have to be very clear about, and this is usually more of a problem for fags, really, when, you know, who our friends are, and who the good people we're attracted to, and who we date. that can be really muddy, because we're men, and most of our friends are men, but the guys are attracted to men, and fags really often have to work on establishing boundaries between, and and figuring out who's a friend, and who's uh, a romantic interest, and treating them differently, Mm -hmm. and you have to do the same. If, you know, I think it's great when straight guys have lots of female friends, and women have male friends, it's all great. As so long as no one's uh, being taken advantage of.
2: No, I mean, I think what you're saying. Uh, w- one of the issues, like that, I've stumbled across, is that <clears throat> I wouldn't. I, I don't want to like go into these situations and say, "Okay, well, I met you. You're not interested in me, so fuck you." Because I mean, I've met a lot of really good friends that way.
1: Right, but you have all the uh, friends you need. What you don't have is somebody getting your dick wet, right? <laughs> Yeah, And, no, you have a, no, and it's it. legit to want that. And it's legit to go after that. And we all only have so much time and so much room in our lives for so many friends. For a finite mm-hmm. number of friends that we can help and be shoulders to cry on. Right? And you have to draw the line somewhere. Otherwise, you're just going to keep collecting people who are going to use you for emotional support and not mm-hmm. get what you're looking for because you're not going to have time for it. Yeah, well, I've been learning that
2: a whole... I mean, that's half
1: the reason why I kind of cut out some of the friends that I had. Right, you cut out some of your male friends for what sound like, you know, perhaps legit reasons. You need to cut out some of your female friends for legit reasons. You can't be the platonic boyfriend of women who you don't consent to be the platonic boyfriend of. You can dump platonic girlfriends. (laughs) And you should. I mean, you need to recognize that at a certain point you are being exploited. When you're used for emotional support by people who know that you have a bone for them, that and I think true. it's fine to have a friend or two that you carry a torch for, if it's all you know out in the open and acknowledged, and it becomes part of your like relationship shtick, where you're like, oh, you know, I've always been attracted to you, and they're like, oh, I know, but it could never be, and you're like willing to have it out there and and, and be honest about it and acknowledge the dynamic so that it doesn't swamp the relationship. But you can't have like 20 relationships like that. You're going to make yourself crazy. Your balls are going to turn blue and they're going to explode. It's a promise. Well, you are correct, sir. Make some male friends. Dump some platonic girlfriends. Do not audition any additional platonic girlfriends. You are not the guy anymore that people can call at 3 o'clock in the morning sobbing. Unless they have been grandfathered Mm -hmm. or grandmothered in. Okay? (laughs) Yeah. All right, man. Good luck. Cool. Thanks a lot. Bye.
0: Hi, Dan. I'm the same age as you, 34. I'm married with two small kids, and my conundrum is this. My husband is um, about to turn 40, and I was thinking it might be a nice gift of sorts to have another lady join us um, in our bed or perhaps probably more likely at a hotel. Um, I feel like I would have certain rules, like I'm not sure I want him her or actually sticking his dick inside of her but I don't want to have so many rules that it like ruins the moment but I'm a little worried about kind of some visual image burned in my brain that then kind of causes me to freak out after the fact and worry about opening some kind of floodgate Um, or if I should just blindfold myself and then perhaps not worry about what happens and just go balls to the wall and do it all, or if it's okay to have certain rules in place as long as he's okay with them. And we kind of talked about it a little bit, and he seems to be fine. But just wanted to get your thoughts on whether, um, based on this little bit of information, you think it seems like I shouldn't move forward, or if I should just wait until I feel completely... Secure and fine, and just do it. Or I don't know what, how how to kind of go about it, or if I should even go about it. And then also, if you think that um, if I just keep kind of considering it and feel like I am ready to do it, how I kind of go about that um, process.
1: I think we'll start at the end and work backwards through your call. Um, how do you arrange this? How do you find the third? I think is what you mean, and uh, all that hemming and hawing. Uh, and here I'm going to say something to you counterintuitive. Uh, a lot of people when they're going to, you know, they're going to have their first three-way with surprise for the husband or something they both fantasized about for a very long time or a surprise for the wife. Uh, they want to find, you know, the bisexual, uh, sexually liberated GGG girl who will materialize in a hotel room. For two hours and then disappear into the ether forever that they will never have to see ever again uh, and uh, won't be threatened by uh, – and will never encounter again. That person is a hooker. All right? That person you rent. What they say about prostitutes, the adage is you don't pay them for sex. You pay them to go away after the sex. So if you want that kind of control uh, and you want to be able to establish all these sort of uh, you know limits – um, on what's going to transpire, you really want uh, an employee. You don't want an autonomous individual who is there as a third but an equal, if that makes any sense, which it doesn't on the sleep-deprived like, installment of Savage Love. Um, now, the problem that you're having and a lot of people have when they you know think about having a three-way just once to you know, fulfill the three-way fantasy – is that they want to have this get-it-all-out-of-your-system three-way night of passion that's totally off-the-hook and crazy, but they're afraid of how they're going to react to the side of their partner, kissing somebody else or fucking somebody else. And they're, and so you stand there you know, with the bungee cord wrapped around your feet, afraid to jump. Um, and what you need to do is not think of having just one three-way just once, where you're sort of torn between – You know, wanting to get it all out of your system, wanting to really have the, you know, bells and whistles and fireworks three-way experience and wanting to take it really slowly in baby steps. Um, The only way – the wise way to do it is to think about having a series of three-ways really where the first time you have a three-way with – and I think three-ways work best with a trusted friend or GGGX and not a hooker or a stranger or someone you uh, troll the internet for. You want to have sort of uh, initial sort of getting to know you, maybe playing around where everybody goes into that encounter knowing that there's not going to be any full on intercourse, that, you know, you for your comfort level as the person setting this up are, is going to be entirely in charge of what goes on and you're going to call shots. Um, the shots and that people go into it. Uh, conscious of, uh, you know, the emotional minefield, conscious uh, of each other's feelings. Uh, and, and it's sort of easy and mellow and it's not focused on necessarily even orgasms. And it's certainly not focused on having an extraordinary off-the-hook three-way night of crazed-ass passion. Do you see how those two things don't work together? Like I want baby steps, but I want, you know, to fulfill this crazed fantasy. If you want baby steps, you need to have a series of three ways where you can work your way up to that off the hook three way as you explore your comfort levels around seeing your partner with other people. You may see him with her and it may turn you on and then you'll be able to like loose let, you know loosen the reins a little bit the first time and then a little bit more the second time, and a little bit more the third time. Um, and the third time, as I say, with so many things, including three ways. Is often the charm. Oh my god, this has been a very special sleep deprovered installment of the Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage here with the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth, as we are every week. And you download us at wwwthestrangercom savage, and I blog constantly at slog.thestranger.com. And our phone number here at the podcast, if you'd like to record a question for a future show, 206-201-2720. Like the first caller today said, uh, we do appreciate succinct questions and do leave a phone number in case we want to call you back with a follow-up question about your boyfriend's Jiminy Cricket masturbation technique. Once again, that number 206-201-2720. This is the last show for July. We're heading into August. I hope everyone's having a great summer and we'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Love Past.